Now, I'd like to thank you for all of your calls, tweets and texts. It's been a really lively conversation and the very essence of what we do here at Talk Radio. It's a network in which people can have a reasonable conversation and disagree with each other. Very rare on other platforms. We're going to now have a conversation, an ongoing conversation about the massively important issue of domestic abuse. We have seen a spike in this awful crime during lockdown. I'm delighted to say it's a time for another episode of Undiscussable with my colleague and friend. Um, and I'd like to welcome to the studio. I have uh, got to say, by the way, that uh, Charlie Webster, we've got the temperature of the studio right today. I was I was wondering where you were going then. And, <laughs> Are you going to comment about the fact that I've got Rupert the Bear trousers on? Are well, you going to comment in the, ro- the room temperature? Like... You're very lucky working with me because however you dress, you'll never look as silly as I do. Uh, I've had a lot of comments about this suit and when am I either going for a court appearance or a job interview or something. Anyway, let's crack on. It's time for Undiscussable. It certainly is. Basically, the the reason the reason behind this conversation is because Mark has the studio very, very cold and forgot to turn it up for me. But anyway, can you believe it's episode seven this evening of the series? And you know what, Mark? I have to say that it's one that's particularly out of all of them close to my own heart. And voices that so often go unheard in this conversation around domestic abuse, but actually in society as a whole, is children. Which is ironic given how much money and resources are spent picking up the pieces of childhood trauma in adulthood, never mind the children's lives that are lost and debilitated due to the lack of prioritisation of early intervention and prevention. It's very easy for us to demonise a young person's life, um, look at their behaviour instead of looking what is causing it and what that child is having to deal with in their young lives. I could spend the evening telling you myself about what being brought up in fear on a day-to-day basis does to somebody. But also, I think the thing we forget is not being taught to love or be loved. And it's very confusing. It's a confusion of love and abuse because this is my parent. They're supposed to protect me and love me. But actually, I wanted you to hear from the perspective of an adult survivor in his 30s who didn't receive support as a young boy and a young girl who's currently being supported. I'd like to first introduce you to the adult survivor of child domestic abuse, Dave. His mom was the perpetrator. Please note, though, that this may be triggering for some listeners, so please take care. Every day, every day was just complete and utter fear, not knowing from one minute to the next, it was like a light switch. You know, the, the fear was gone and then you'd see her and then, bam, the, the fear's there. And you just literally, your whole body is flooded with adrenaline. You shake, you you, you just don't want to be in the same room because even the room feels heavy with fear and uncertainty. Mm. It's horrible. Dave described his childhood as an emotional roller coaster. His mum was abusive to him, his siblings and his dad. She's very, very aggressive towards me. She's very emotionally detached. Just didn't want, didn't want me around, didn't want me anywhere near her. If I tried to reach out to her, you were shot down straight away through being made to feel just like you're an inconvenience. You need to go away. You shouldn't be there. It was as young as five years old that his mum wanted him to leave. Along with belittling him, this made him feel worthless. She basically told me to pack my bags and, and F off. Obviously, at that age, she just I, I didn't understand why. Was she joking? What was happening? And so I didn't do it straight away. I kind of just stood there, blank-faced, like, you know, I just didn't get it. So she repeated herself again, 
this time a lot worse, you know, swearing and, and a lot more sort of anger in her face, in her eyes. Again, the, the overwhelming feeling of, like, this is serious. She means this. So, therefore, you start feeling all scared. Your stomach's turning over. He went upstairs and started packing a Barbie doll suitcase that him and his sister shared. I was crying. I was packing my things in this little suitcase and I didn't know what I was doing. All I, all I knew that I just wanted to, I wanted her to come up and tell me, oh, you know, I'm so sorry. I'm, I, I didn't mean it. But that never happened. So I packed this little bag and my dad then got home from work and he come upstairs. He sat with me on my bed and gave me a hug and we kind of like hugged it out and while she sat downstairs as if nothing had ever happened and then I heard him while he went downstairs and and I heard them two just absolutely screaming at each other and things were getting thrown around and yeah it wasn't it wasn't nice it wasn't his mom would threaten to kill herself and their dad if he tried to leave and it often came down to Dave and his siblings as young kids to protect them both. So we'd stand in front of the door and then she would threaten to hit him. And there's a few times that she threatened to stab him and actually physically holding scissors or knives to, to him in front of us. And it was always down to me and my sister at the time um, to try and take those off her so she wouldn't do it to him. And as I'm sure you can imagine at the time when you... <laughs> When you're that young and you're taking scissors or a knife off your mum, I mean, to take scissors or a knife off somebody who's in rage anyway would be scary enough. But when it's your own mum doing it to your dad and you stood in between them and you just think, you know that she's capable of anything, it kind of, it's, it's, it's not the most pleasantest position to be in. His sister tried to tell a teacher, but she said if she reported it to social services, that it might mean the siblings get split up a common fear amongst children in domestic abuse. This keeps children in abuse. It kept Dave and his siblings in it because they were scared of being split, but also of the consequences of what would happen to their dad. His sister's reach out for help didn't get taken any further. She ran away in the end, and he spent more and more time hanging around the streets and inevitably getting into trouble. Until his mom once again told him to leave, just like she'd been doing since he was five and he did. Got this black bag, just chucked. I thought, I don't even I don't even know where I'm going to go. I don't know what I'm doing. She didn't say a word to me. And I just walked out the door. I left. It was middle of winter. I, I, I didn't have anywhere to go. I didn't want to go to my friend's house because I'd not opened up about what was happening. So I didn't want to go. Oh, I've left. And because I knew that his dad... He would have took me straight back home and gone, stop being silly, get back home. So I didn't want to go there. Didn't actually know where my sister lived at the time. And my younger brother was still at my parents' house. So I went up to, we used to have this bus station further up the road. I went up to this bus station. I just sat there, absolutely freezing, twiddling my thumbs, thinking, what can I do? And the only thing at the time I think of, could think of was to actually sleep under the bus shelter Again, as I didn't need much, as long as I'd got a drink with me and some a couple of clothes, you know, to keep warm, uh, that I'd be fine. And that was my mental state back then. I, I didn't need much. I could I could get by by myself. I I was happy that I was at the house. I, I'd done with it. I'd gone. 
but saying that there was still that thing where I still wanted it to be all all right. He eventually bumped into his sister and she took him in. Neither of them spoke to their parents again. Dave told me how domestic abuse affected him as he got older. I always had that feeling like I can't be in that world. It was just pure depression. The, the whole house, it was, it was as if the house was depressed. I know that might sound odd or weird to get your head around, but the, the atmosphere was just pure and utter just depression and thick evil, if you like. It was horrible. It was horrible. And then that does have such an effect on you growing up. It really does because you take you take it on and it and it and it and it seeks into your mind, it seeks into your feelings, it seeks into your subconscious. It, you know, you tell yourself that that's the norm. You feel like that, but you don't know why you feel like that. I was full of anger, I was full of upset, I was full of I was so quick tempered with people and I just didn't know how to function in life. I just wasn't a, a nice person to be around. I really, really wasn't. I took, I took things personal. I took things the wrong way all the time. Couldn't have a laugh with anybody. I realised that actually this is a byproduct of all those years of being told you're useless and you couldn't vent it at the time. You could, you, there was no outlet. Whereas now you're not in that situation and all those days, months and years of the adrenaline, the anger and the anxiety, it's just all coming out now. Thank you, Dave, for having the courage to share your story with us because I really know it's not easy. And joining us for this episode is Erin Job. She's Bernardo's Northern Ireland Children's Services Manager and has been working as a social worker with children and families for over 20 years in relation to child protection. Erin, welcome along to the show. Hi, Charlie. Thanks for having me. Um, so, Erin, before we hear from the young girl I spoke to, Dave's story is sadly more common, I think, than we care to admit. And myself, I can relate to it in terms of the worthlessness and the adrenaline he spoke about. What is the long-term impact, though, into adulthood when almost the immediate domestic abuse has stopped and you're left to deal with the lack of understanding of yourself and a framework of what a healthy relationship is? Well, I think Dave's story really highlights for us that really domestic abuse, when children are surviving it as a child or young person, they're carrying those experiences into their adulthood. It's not that those experiences are erased once um, someone turns 18 or they leave home. And for many of those children and young people, they've never experienced um, safety and security at home or where their children or their needs have come first as a priority everything in their life as a child or young person was organized around the perpetrator. And I think, I mean, adults who have survived domestic abuse as a child or young person, I mean, they might have a range of difficulties. Dave certainly spoke about having low self-esteem, confidence, self-worth, not being able to actually um, have any positive relationships or be able to cope very well with his own strong emotions. Um, and also as an adult, I mean, poor physical, mental health, there's a range of real issues. Mm. I suppose um, really importantly, you know, when children and young people aren't living with um, adult role models who are role modeling those healthy relationships, um, it's to be expected, I suppose, as you're an adult, you don't really know um, how to be treated well or with respect. You're not sure how love and trust yeah. and fear are all mixed up. And it's very hard then to navigate through your own relationships. 
And I suppose that's the importance of early intervention and services like Bernardo's that offer therapeutic work to children and families to be able to recover and heal as soon as possible. Exactly, Erin, and I'm really glad you made that point because this is a young person who's been living in domestic abuse until recently by her mom's boyfriend and is being supported by a pioneering project by Bernardo's called Opening Closed Doors in Gwent in Wales. And I suppose I wanted to show you the difference. This is Caris. She would often try and intervene to protect her mom and siblings just like Dave did. Um, She's come a really long way and she's only 16 years old. What was it like at home? Can you describe to us? It was like stressful because one minute it'd be like all happy and then like a nice atmosphere. And then if like my mum's boyfriend come in, it just changed like my mum would go in a mood or like she'd go really quiet. And then if I say certain things, she'd be like, don't say that. Because then it just caused a bigger argument. So then like you feel like you can't talk or you can't like be yourself, you just have to like isolate the way of it. What did it make you feel like? I'd always shake, like I'd always have like a little shake and then if I heard him come through like the door and like they were arguing or shouting or he was saying certain things or we were slamming, you just feel like, I don't know how to explain it, you just feel like you can't breathe, like your chest is just getting tighter, you feel like you're underwater, you can't like hear yourself think and then it's just very really, like shaky and then I don't know, it just feels like you're underwater, like you can't breathe properly, your ears are like gonna pop. Yeah, it's, it's a really good description. I know that feeling. What was it like for you when you then went to school? You know, how did it feel at school? I like going to school because it was like I didn't have to stay in the house and like listen to them. But then, because my behaviour changed in school, like, my happy place turned into, like, I was getting shouted at in school because, like, I didn't like getting told what to do and then I'd always argue back with people or I'd start, like, having fights in that and then my grades dropped and then it just went all downhill because, like, I was really good in school and then year 10 come and it was just, I just give up because they, like, labelled me as, like, oh, she got this, she got that, she got this, she got that. I just give up at home. Like, I couldn't really say anything. I couldn't, like, stick up for anything. Like, my mum or anyone. So then in school, when someone was trying to tell me what to do, I just went, like, I don't know how to explain that. When he was, like, doing it to my mum, I couldn't say anything. In school, if someone says something to me, I thought, no, I'm not going to that. Yeah. And then my head just went. And it could have been over like the little things, like I'll take your nose out, I'll take your cup off, you can't drink in the science lab. And then it ended up me being isolated. Mm-hmm. And how did that make you feel? I just felt like everyone was just shouting at me all the time and like, I'm a go at me. When it been my fault, the teachers were saying, like, I was trouble and all that. And, like, I just don't care and all that. Like, I did care, like, it hurt me, but then I felt like it was my fault because, like, I didn't know why I was, like, reacting the way I was. I didn't know, like, if the teachers told me to take my coat off, I didn't know why I'd get really angry about it. Like, it's just a simple question. Yeah. So I'd feel, like, and then if I'd grown when my mum stressed about me playing up in school, I'd just feel like it was all my fault. 
when she broke up with her partner, that's when I started like retaliating more. I don't know why though. Like I, I would have thought I would have started like being more angry when it happened. But then when like they broke up, she was like really upset and that. And then I was angry at her because I was like, why would you need to be upset over that? And then, because she's like my mum, and I feel like no matter what, like I'll always have it back from that. But then, because I couldn't be angry at her, and I had like resentment towards her, so like putting us through that, I just took her out in, like on the teachers and that. Mm. But then, when mum started like being happier again, that's when I started to realise like I need to go to school, like I need to get my head down, otherwise it's just going to be. Mm. like no point it made me realise I'd get really angry because I'd bottle stuff up like we'd done this volcano activity where like when you bottle things up after a while you're just all erupt and then I realised if I like carry on bottling things up my anger will never go away I just need to like talk about things even if it's like the little things and then she, we'd done activities about like different types of abuse different types of like ways to cope with it and now I know like the red flags and all. Mm-hmm. And how, how do you feel now that you've done like a lot of that work? I feel like I should have done it a lot sooner because if I'd done that a lot sooner I don't think I would have been so like angry at everyone over the little things and myself and now I've learned like it wasn't my fault. There's no need to be angry, there's no need to wake up in a mood and I put myself down because it wasn't my fault. Mm. It wasn't your fault. And also, like, it's not your fault that you didn't do it sooner either. Like, it wasn't yeah. your responsibility. You know, it was your... You were only young and you didn't know. Mm. So, look, yeah. it, I didn't do any of that until I was in my 30s. So, you've done really well to face that. A lot of people can't, can't face it. So, yeah, well done. Oh, thank you, Caris, for being incredibly brave there, for speaking to me and to Rue for her support worker as well. Erin, there's so much to get into and we don't have much time, but children here, they learn, they observe everything. Um, you know, um, parental mental health, adult substance misuse is part of this as well. Um, the fact that so many incidents, it's seen as incidents and behaviours don't go unrecognised. Mm-hmm. And also the fact that we often look at the perpetrator but forget that a child in domestic abuse almost has no parents because of also the parental role, I suppose, of the the victim in that situation. But Erin, what do we need to do as a society to stop the secrecy and sensitivity of this subject, which ultimately keeps kids in great harm? Well, I think, um, obviously, your your, um, series that you're putting out, those type of things in terms of we have to start talking about domestic abuse and we have to keep talking about it. Public awareness and education of our adults, our children, our young people and our services and agencies that children and young people are coming into contact with need to be educated about what domestic abuse is. It's more than hitting. It's more than physical abuse. There's lots of aspects of domestic abuse that is harming our children and young people. People need to know what domestic abuse is and what to do if they're worried about their own circumstances or they're worried about somebody else's. We need robust legislation, which we're waiting on um, here in Northern Ireland for. We also need to teach our children and our young people about healthy, respectful relationships 
in our community services, in our education system. They need to know um, how to be treated and they need to know how um, to expect mm. other people to treat them. Um, and mm. as adults, we need to be brave and we need to pay yeah. attention to our children. And if children and young people that we come across in our personal or professional lives don't seem okay, we need to actually ask yeah. them if they are okay, if they're safe at home. And if children do disclose, like the the um, example earlier, I mean, we really have a legal and a moral responsibility to yeah. support those children and get them help. We absolutely do. Thank you so much, Erin. Uh, we've run out of time. I could talk to you for another half an hour at least. Thanks for joining us and your valuable insight there for Dave, for Kerry's. If this is something that affects or has affected you, please know that you can survive this and you can get help. You're incredibly strong and brave. If you're an adult that suffered as a child, please check out NAPAC, N-A-P-A-C.org.uk. They have some fantastic resources to help. And if you're worried about a child, please check out Bernardo's.org.uk. And you can also contact me on Twitter or Instagram. Thank you for listening. Undiscussable is supported by the Audio Content Fund and, of course, backed by Talk Radio. Every single week we find out that there is a different person in our society a different group that is affected by domestic abuse and every week it's a different group today it was children and it was extremely important that we got that message out there um great stuff charlie and uh, i want to thank everybody for um all of their tweets regarding what we're doing right now here with undiscussable we're back for one more next week we certainly are the final one looking Please forward to us. that it's uh, it's been about the most important thing i've been involved with and we salute you charlie and looking forward to seeing Thank you next you, week thanks to the team the other side of the glass and most importantly to you for listening your tech calls and tweets at howard hughes is next